Hello and welcome to the KPMG CyberOps podcast, the show that dives into cybersecurity topics in a time where data is at the heart of our society. I'm your host Henrik Smit, and today we are talking about digital identities and the market outlook. We'll discuss the ins and outs of modern identity and access management and how it helps to secure your data. Be sure to listen all the way through as we offer you a special surprise at the end. Today I have two guests in the studio. Jan Adriaan, manager at KPMG and specialized in identity and access management. And Chris Owen, director of product management at Savient. Hi guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hi Henrik, good to be here. Thank you Henrik, thanks for having us. So guys, uh, we've been talking about this a lot, right? Uh, global pandemic, working from home all the time. Um, everybody's craving for holidays uh, in the meantime. But Chris, and uh, related to the, the pandemic, what's the impact on uh, of working from home uh, on identity and access management? Yeah, I think we've seen a, a huge impact on the identity space, but also the security space as a whole. I think, you know, moving to this world where everybody shifts to remote working is not a new thing from a technology point of view. A lot of organizations embraced remote working already, Mm -hmm. but it was really only for a subset of users. If we take the pandemic where most offices were shut down at the start of it, for laptop users, absolutely fine. They're used to this remote working way. There's an awful lot of users who are on traditional desktop machines, and you can't just lift and shift those to home. And what that led to was really a string of new devices being used to access corporate data. It could be somebody's personal machine. It could be a tablet, mobile devices, et cetera. So we've really had this explosion of devices. Organizations have potentially been forced to make tactical decisions on technology that they had to support in order to enable kind of remote working on mass. And, you know, we've been saying for some time now that identities are the new perimeter. The, the reality is, you know, that's, that's never been more so than now. I think as we've moved to this remote way of working, there are identities everywhere. We're embracing more cloud technology. So the shift in IAM is really looking at how do we embrace that way of working how do we support them and how do we make sure that they work? And I think my, my final point really is to talk about the different types of identities. You know, we're not just talking about humans, carbon identities. We've got silicon identities, IoT devices, bots. Everything now has an identity, which puts identity and access management really at the heart of a security strategy. Yeah, identity and access management as the new perimeter, as we uh spoke about earlier, right? Uh, Jan Adrian, I, I think you've been working from home as well. And um, well, from your personal experience, but also from your line of profession, uh, what, what is your take on this? Um, yeah, that's that's correct. I've been uh, working from home for quite some time. I think like many others, uh, not only in Netherlands, but around the world. And um, I think one, one of the perspectives that has changed is that um, not, as Chris mentioned, uh, not only are we working from different devices, but now we're working also from different locations as well. Uh, where we were used to uh, working in the office uh, and, and making sure that everybody who was on the network in the office uh, was uh, was the right person and we could identify them. Now we see that a lot of people are working from everywhere. 
uh, for instance, from home, but also from your car, from the, the, the coffee shop, uh, etc. So uh, there is now a new challenge, not only uh, that you need to know uh, who is logging onto the network, but that you also need to collaborate their location as well. So if you look at that, uh, um, one thing uh, is, is key for the future is, is, is having a good way of knowing uh, who is entering your network. So multi-factor authentication is something which we need to focus on as well. Being sure that uh, the right uh, identity is entering your, uh, your, your systems. So yeah, yeah. I hope uh, somebody else is driving when when you are working <laughs> from your car, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <that. laughs> How can identity and access management relate to other cybersecurity paradigms like analytics, data analytics, uh, 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 incident response? Uh, how how can they actually make each other stronger? I can imagine there's a link. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, what you what you uh, uh, see uh, at the moment and, and at a lot of companies is that uh, IAM is, is not mature yet. Uh, uh, meaning that a lot of companies still use different sources within the company to uh, collaborate all the information which they need to um, make all the processes in IAM work. So, for instance, a lot of companies still work with Excel sheets for, uh, to, uh, to collaborate information about uh, if an identity is validated. And where I think that uh, um, we're going to grow in the near future is, is that uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, IAM processes and tooling are being automated on this part, meaning that you're able to collaborate all this information within the IAM tooling itself, uh, also using artificial intelligence to collaborate all the information and have the managers who are making decisions have better information. So we're going to take a step forward. It's going to be quicker. It's going to be better information. Um, and there's going to be much less uh, handiwork in, in this regard. So I think that we're going to grow as, as one of the things. And I also mentioned that automation is also a, a, a way forward. Um, a lot of uh, operational IAM tasks are still do, being done by hand not only time consuming, but also is sensitive to being a human error. And, yeah. and going forward eh, with automating a lot of things that can be automated. So eh, m being more compliant, uh, being better able to adjust to changes as well. Yeah, so increased automation. That's what uh, what I take from this. Uh, still Excel sheets after so many years, I'm, I'm surprised. Hey, Chris. and. Uh, any stories that you can share about uh, real-time processing and automation? Um, what are the developments that Savient uh, is working on? Yeah, that's a really good question. Actually, Jan Adrian made some really good points there, you know, when talking about the use of artificial intelligence to make more risk-aware decisions about the exchanging of data between these platforms. So some of the key developments that we've worked on from a product point of view is something called a risk exchange, which essentially enables us to have bi-directional integration with third-party security platforms, whether it be SIM tools, UEBA, ID proofing tools, vulnerability management solutions. And essentially we can bring in key data from those platforms into our system and we can use our AI engine on top of them 
to provide insights into access requests. So a typical use case would be somebody requesting access to a resource in AWS, you know, maybe a workload there. Mm -hmm. So when they make that request and it goes off for the approval, we can show the approver how risky that's deemed to be. Are there any segregation of duty violations? So all of these typical IGA type of capabilities or PAM capabilities, but then we can layer further data into that. We could then bring in vulnerability data. Maybe there's some open ports on that particular workload that you're requesting, or maybe the user's location or identity hasn't been validated. So it's all about enabling context in, in decision-making. And ultimately, the more context we give to the user, the less of a rubber stamping exercise approvals become and certifications. When it comes to automation, most organizations really hate doing certifications because these certification processes go off to somebody in an email, yeah. they'll click on a link and then big long list of users. Yep, that's fine. And away they go with, without giving it a second thought. So Tick in a box. Exactly. It becomes a checkbox exercise. So technology can really assist and help. And, you know, I think, as Jan Adrian mentioned, we're in the very early stages of leveraging AI to its full potential for things like this. But the journey that we're on at the moment is automation and AI to really cut down the noise in that process to enable you to make risk-based decisions and enable you to focus on the certifications of access where things have changed or where something needs to be highlighted. So hopefully it gets us to a place where our user community are making more informed decisions, but also the right decisions. Chris, if, if you look at the process of, of identifying outliers uh, in uh, within uh, your authorization landscape, uh, what does IA do for that? Yeah, so ultimately outliers are typically the things that you need to focus on. They are the the risky events that don't necessarily conform to any standard or any pattern that you have now. So for us, when it comes to outliers, we flag outliers as being risky for a start, but we're also looking at patterns in those outliers. And this is important because outliers Just because you've never seen it before, it could be something completely trivial. Mm -hmm. So that's where context comes in. And that's where pulling in and polling data from all of these platforms really comes into its own. If we can bring asset data, user data, information about the data that's being requested access to or the role, all of these things form together to build a risk score on that user so that we can make a decision about whether an outlier is really risky or whether it's considered safe. Jan Adrian, uh, digital transformation is all about uh, bringing changes to business models, uh, processes, operations, and technology. And uh, organizations more and more want to be flexible, agile, and future-proof, as just mentioned, right? And innovation probably is uh, dominating the leadership agenda, uh, as is then identity and access management probably, because it's really connected to, uh, to, to, to innovation as well, no longer considered as an IT topic. So we could say that it's foundational for success. So, and this is why uh, KPMG has uh, developed the uh, the powered cyber approach or powered identity as we can call it in the, in this matter because we are talking about identity. And that's actually uh, very nice because we, we, we spent so many years on, on implementing identity and access management uh, uh, and, and gathered a lot of knowledge and, and IP around that. And, uh, built that into a, a standard 
way of working to implement identity and action management. So we have building blocks like, as we call them, a target operating model that contains a whole process library um, that contains all the processes you can think of that are part of identity and access management um, uh, uh, standard there developed uh, in, 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 in an application ready to use. And then we have, of course, the, the maturity model and, and all sorts of KPIs and reports, all very nice assets to not start from zero, from scratch, right? And as I was reading about this, Jan Adrian, uh, wondering how, uh, how does it work in practice? Is it, because you're working with this right now, uh, are you happy with it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Because fra- you're you're just with KPMG, yeah. so you should have a new experience with this model. How do how do you see this? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, I'm I'm new at KPMG, but working with these kinds of models is not new for me. So I was very happy to to see that we are able uh, to uh, with this uh, this powered approach to really accelerate with our customers. Because um, that's what it does, yeah, right? That's a- what acceleration. It does. Yeah. yeah, but it, what it does is is that. I think it's it's a smarter way to achieve an IM transformation within your customer. If you look at uh, at uh, the projects we've done, uh, we're able to to deliver a minimal viable product within three to four months wow. with our yeah. customers, um, and and that's due to the fact that um, we've built up an in, uh, extensive uh, process library with our worldwide experience, uh, being able to uh, correlate that with our customers. And having 80% of the work done with standards and with standard building blocks, and that that allows us to really focus on the 20% where we make customized implementations. That's where we really need to shine with our customers, being able to to transform them in the IAM process in that last 20% when we're going to tailor make their solution. So um, I think that the approach is not only unique in the market, but it's 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 really showing our customers that IAM is not that complex to start with, and that IAM is able to enable the business very quickly. Right, so start with the basics, yep. and then scale up. Nice. Uh, Chris, w- what are some of the other shifts you observe in the market regarding identity and access management? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a huge kind of momentum within the industry at the moment for, for change. And this is being driven by identity strategies changing. It's being driven by convergence in technologies. And it's being driven by the change in in the user's behavior when it comes to how we work, you know, whether that be remote working, utilization of cloud, etc. So there's a number of really interesting things that have happened over the last kind of two years specifically. You know, we have people like traditional PAM vendors, let's take a CyberArk for instance, you know, mm-hmm. they acquired Adaptive, which strongly takes them into the IDAS space, uh, competing with, you know, the likes of Okta, Ping, etc. You have other vendors uh, consolidating. So, you know, the recent merger of Centrify, Phycotic, you know, creating a bigger organization there. Yeah. And on the flip side, you have IGA vendors doing similar. So, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, SailPoint acquired Orcus and Overwatch ID to take them into the privilege space. You have Okta announcing new IGA capabilities and PAM 
capabilities that they'll be releasing in 2022. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of change, a lot of organizations now building what they class as a converged identity solution to really combine IGA, PAM, as well as other key identity technologies. And I think we'll see food further moves there. So consumer IAM may come into that data governance, app access governance, etc. So that's on the identity side. Um, probably the more exciting stuff is to do with what's going on with the perimeter. You know, we, we spoke about our traditional concept of a perimeter having dissolved. Yeah. But that's kind of bringing way to a new breed of technology, you know, under the umbrella of, called SASE. Um, so SASE-based technologies are new edge-based technologies that are combining new capabilities. So zero-trust networking, CASB functionality, a web application firewall to really handle how our remote users are now accessing disparate data from any devices. So there's lots of good stuff going on. We'll see more and more. Yeah, yeah, and uh, this is actually the, the the second time that SASE comes by today in my life. Um, can you elaborate a little bit? Uh, what's the link between identity and access management and um, and and SASE? Yeah, cool. So, you know, the the castle and moat analogy put all of our security boundaries essentially around our inside. So we knew where the devices were connected to. We had a boundary around the outside, which meant they couldn't get out of that unless. It, access was uh, explicitly granted. With our embracing of cloud technologies, what's happened is our data is everywhere now. It's in different countries. It's being replicated to different regions. We're now, you know, not just because of the pandemic, but even before that, we're embracing a bring your own device model. So we have all these disparate devices, mobile devices, tablets. So our identities are now everywhere as well and connecting from all kinds of different networks. So SASE-based technology is a way of allowing an identity And this doesn't have to be a person. This could be a device identity to access corporate data. And that's really what it's all about. How do we enable connectivity from anything to anywhere in a secure fashion? Okay, so um, interesting. And so we're going to hear a lot more about this in the the near future. Definitely so. SASE is, um, I guess, on a similar level. projection as to zero trust in terms of the the buzzwordiness in the industry yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah definitely something we'll hear more of yeah. okay i'll keep it in mind looking forward to that uh, chris all right so from innovation to roadblocks because there's always roadblocks chris wh- what kind of roadblocks do you see when uh, organizations are building out their identity and access management capability or actually starting with it Yeah, I think Jan Adrian touched on this. You know, IAM is seen as complex. Um, It really is. And it can be as complex as you make it. So having those building blocks, you know, I really like the sound of that um, to kind of move away from this horrible thought process that people have where they... um, they, they see the big picture and kind of want to achieve it all. That's impossible with IAM because there is too much to it. So... Identity can be simple. Um, I think start with the basics, but understand what you have to provide to the business, You know whether there's compliance mandates or anything like that. Certifications don't need to be difficult. Um, moving to a micro certification based model is always good. And the other key things for me are 
visibility. Um, visibility has become critical in the identity space now, not just for people, but for devices, because we're working in this new hybrid way now. It's super important to understand what devices there there are out there, what they're connecting to, who's using them, and even to certify those devices as well. Automate as much as you can, leveraging the latest and greatest in technology so you can cut down on the amount of time that it takes for you to do repetitive tasks and really focus on what the risky events are. But um, to be honest, Henry, you know, Jan Adrian will probably have a lot more experience than I do from the, the business angle. So um, we'll probably be able to share a lot better thoughts than what I can hear. Yeah, he's, he's already laughing. So uh, I'm curious, uh, Jan Adrian, what, what do you have? Well, blockers. Yeah. Give me blockers. Yeah, give okay, blockers. <laughs> All right. From a, from a business perspective, uh, um, one of the uh, the first blockers I see is that um, the the business is not uh, enough aware of how important IM is when you are trying to change rapidly, and when they try to change uh, in, uh, rapidly, they forget the IM processes, and then they see how complex this is, and then IM is not an enabler for the business but it's holding the business back. So one of the blockers we need to remove is be, uh, help the business be aware that IAM needs to be on their roadmap as soon as they're going to change. That's yeah, and, and, and identity and access management, of, of course, is a combination of a lot of things, yep. right? It's, it's not just it's one not, thing. It's not just one thing. And that's, that, that's, that's a, what makes it complex. That's a common misperception yep. that, that yep. is there. Okay, yep. and, and, and what else? Um, and one of the uh, the other blockers uh, I see uh, as well is has to do with the, the, the maturity of, uh, of, of IAM within uh, the business. Uh, um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, there are still a lot of companies working with Excel sheets, for instance. Yeah. Uh, um, the maturity level, uh, uh, um, uh, how higher it is, is the more you're able to enable your business uh, going forward and accelerating. So one of the, one of the blockers is uh, um, not being mature enough, but also not being able to move forward to be become more mature. And and then we get into the th third blocker I see is that. Um, IAM is, is still uh, uh, being uh, regarded as a technical approach, not a business approach. And that means that uh, um, a lot of uh, uh, um, companies uh, do not take IAM seriously and there is no mandate within the company to take it seriously. Because um, 70% of an identity and access management project is actually change, right? Yeah. It's, not, it's not technique. It is, it, uh. is, it is. And without the proper mandate, um, you're not moving forward as a, as a business Okay. with IAM. Thanks. Um, so when I uh, when I wrap that up, uh, looking at at the blockers you just told me, what what, we, what, what can we take from this, uh, Chris? Uh, also listening to Jan Adrian, where should we start? So uh, I honestly I, I was really um, kind of amazed about the building block approach that that you both talked about. You know, I think that is a very logical and sensible way of tackling IAM. You know, one of the one of the blockers that we actually see as, as a vendor is in people. You know, and it, it's probably a very different experience for us as a vendor, you know, to, to what you see at KPMG. You know, when we're trying to sell software, the, the people blockers that we get are people that are saddled with legacy debt and legacy ways of thinking. You uh -huh. know, if we look at traditional IGA programs, They've been the ones that have took two or three years. People have got the scars. People are scared by them. And those solutions have been customized. They're doing all kinds of things that they were never really designed to do. 
And people now, when they approach IGA, they have a very similar mindset. That's what they're expecting from it. And so it really is a combination of us as a technology vendor coming out with a product that somebody can use out of the box, a COTS product, how that's designed to be that doesn't need that level of customization, you know, going in with a low-code, no-code methodology. And then for KPMG to then put their building blocks on top of that gives a really compelling story that hopefully provides a rapid time to value. And that's what really matters now. When you make a big investment in technology, you want to get the most out of it as fast as you can. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Chris. And and, and indeed, uh, so from uh, lengthy, lengthy, long projects from two to three years to an agile approach, starting with a minimal viable product, uh, as Jan Adrian uh, told us, and then uh, build from there. Start with the basics and then scale up. That's what I take from it. Thanks, guys, for joining this podcast. I hope you've learned something and um, I hope to uh, meet you again at the next one. Uh, Jan Adrian and uh, Chris, thanks for joining. Yeah, that, uh, thank you for having us. Uh, it was great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Do you want to know more about the powered approach and how it accelerates your digital transformation? Contact us for an interactive KPMG knowledge session, including a Savian product demo. Please check out kpmg.com slash cybersecurity. KPMG CyberOps. Security solutions delivered.